0: Hello, I'm Dean. And I'm Jen. And I'm Eric. And together, we're RCSD, Pod PD. Okay,
1: we would like to uh, begin by respectfully acknowledging that we are on Treaty 4 territory, traditional lands of the Nahawak, Nakawe, Nakoda, and homeland of the Métis, Lakota, and Dakota.
2: Okay, hello everyone. Welcome back to PD. We are all very excited to welcome today's author and educator, Dr. Mike Ribble. So Dr. Mike has authored several books, two of which are titled Digital Citizenship in Schools and Raising a Digital Child. If you were to search him on Twitter, his handle is actually at Dig Citizen and his website, digitalcitizenship.net, provides great information surrounding digital citizenship for parents and educators. We are beyond thrilled to chat with Dr. Mike today and gain more insight into how we um, can instill positive digital citizenship with all of our students. Welcome to Pod PD, Dr. Mike.
3: Good morning. Thank you all. I, I'm glad to be here. <laughs>
2: So um, we were just wondering, why do you think it's, um, or digital citizenship is not given more of a priority um, within curriculum and and uh, kind of more of a requirement to be taught in our classrooms? Why is that something we're not seeing more of?
3: Yeah, I um, when I saw the question, I was thinking, uh, yeah, that's a very good question. Um, <laughs> I've been at this for almost 20 years, and. Uh, it seems like uh, you know every year you know we kind of get started back with school and you know and of course this whole last year was just such a unique year anyway but uh, you know uh, it it does kind of surprise me to a certain extent but having been an educator I also know how you know how involved the classroom time is and you know that there's just not a lot of free extra time to be able to do things and. And one of the things that, you know, when we've done, you know, different discussions, you know, uh, you know, we've had, uh, you know, professionally, professional learning groups and different that have had discussions and, you know, a lot of it, you know, I think is, it's multifaceted. One, I think that we still have a lot of leaders that don't know what they don't know. And, and I think mm-hmm. that that's one of the biggies. And, and you mentioned a couple of my books, but uh, one of the latest um, I did with uh, Dr. Marty Park out of Kentucky, uh, we did one for educational leaders, so really focused on the leadership aspect of it because we felt like. It really has to come from two parts. You know the teachers and educators in the classroom have to be you know interested and involved with it, but it also has to be a priority within the classroom from the building leadership position as well. So mm. if they set it as a priority, then you know, it's going to be a priority for the school. And I one of the things that you know that. With all the changes and I, I think this last year really kind of set that, you know, set the tone for that was, you know, we need to look at education from some different perspectives. I'm not saying we need to tear it all down and start all over, but we are in the 21st century. We do have uh, a lot of different tools, you know you know we still use textbooks we still use whiteboards we still use a lot of those tools but there's a lot of other tools that are now available for us and technology is one of them and yeah. we need to start wrapping our educational piece and especially you know our pre-service teachers as they come into our programs that they need to understand exactly you know how these fit in and there are some great programs. Don't get me wrong. There are some all over the world that are doing some great work around digital citizenship and and taking that forward. But there's still some that are lagging behind, and they really, um, you know, we have a lot of students that that are involved with technology, but I don't know that they necessarily understand it in an educational uh, mm-hmm. frame. And you know, it's one thing you know to talk about. TikTok or instagram or you know any of those kinds of things and there are places for any of those tools as well but you know we don't spend enough time talking about learning management systems and what does that look like in a classroom even if it's not a total distance situation how do we create a hybrid type system inside of a classroom now, i'm not saying mm-hmm. you know being you know coming and going out of a building but really hybrid in the sense of here let me put some resources out there and you can come to class and you've already covered some of that and you know it's sort of that flipped classroom mentality but also you know putting some of that ownership back on our students of uh, they own their education and and that's you know really you know that's the the bottom line of it is it is their education they need to they need to know where this and what kind of tools will they need going out into the workforce? And there's a lot of these tools that are part of digital citizenship. And as we talk about, you know, some of the elements and some of those pieces as well, you know, there's still a lot of, you know, aspects that we just don't cover. And it's sort of an expectation that, okay, you grew up in this time, you grew up as, you know, with technology, there you should understand it inherently you know and and we've had that discussion years and years ago and i think you know we still believe that oh well you know they you know they had it when they were you know little kids and you know they had it when they were you know coming you know before they got to school so you know they should already know how to use an ipad how to use a tablet how to use a how to use a phone you know but again, you know, and I don't, I'm kind of diverging in a lot of different ways, but we also have a lot of parents that also don't really understand the technology. A lot of them did grow up with it, but they don't understand it again in an educational perspective. They understand it from, oh, I have a cell phone, so, you know, I could do a lot of my work and I'm my banking and everything on my phone, but mm-hmm. what's the deeper part of that? You know, when people start talking about ransomware and denial of service and you know those kinds of things, people kind of get that kind of weird look like, well, that's an IT thing, you know, that's really not something that I need to be, you know, involved with or interested in. But they do, you know, that we, we're part of a we're all part of a system. And that's that's what people forget when you talk about technology. I mean, the the idea of the internet was, you know, back in the late 60s was really just a conglomeration of servers that talked to each other. And that's, I mean, for no better other definition, that's really what it is today. You know, it's a lot of these different nodes interacting with one another, but, you know, instead of there being 10, you know, in the old DARPA project, we've got 10 million, you know, or more, you know, that, that are out there. So it's, how do we get everyone to really understand these and you know start at a base level, give them some foundation, and then go mm-hmm. from there? So that mm-hmm. was a long that was a long-winded answer yeah. to uh, two sentences worth of question. That was a perfect well, answer. but
2: you know, it tells me that we do still have some work to do, right? And with with technology and online learning and all of that constantly changing and evolving, we need to make sure that the instruction we're providing our students also continues to evolve along with it. There's no room for stagnant, I'm going to do the same thing year after year anymore when you're teaching with technology.
3: Well, I think that's a great uh, observation because, you know, that's, you know, a lot of times, you know, educators get comfortable, you know, they, they just keep teaching the same thing over and over again and as you said as things change you have to kind of have that mode to be able to move with it and say okay yeah i may have done this two years ago but now it's here and mm-hmm. and i'm not saying just following social media and those kinds of things but just the resources and how they're you know you know we hardly even talked about cloud-based systems 10 years ago and now everything is all cloud-based and that's you know mm-hmm. you know as a as an it person that's our go-to space now is everything's in the cloud and there's some great great pieces to that but what does that also mean to us as a user as well
0: i think yeah, uh, that 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 the pandemic definitely brought a lot of this uh, the the forefront uh you know for sure I really the one comment, and I've been thinking about this a lot too, that you made about the pre-service teachers. You know, I really think that uh, it, it should almost be mandatory that they you take a class because I agree 100 with what you said about, you know, just because you grow up with it, you really understand what, like, how to use in the tech in an education uh, context. Which was, uh I would like to see that more because I know, you know, I've kind of getting up there, but uh, a lot of the I have, sometimes they look at me like, what is all this technology that you're using in your class and, and that type of thing. And I'm like, you know what I mean? I, I have a, yeah, so I think that was, it was really important to, to mention that. I think too,
1: sorry, Dean. Um, Hello? What you said about parents too is like, same as pre-service teachers, the parents don't really understand that technology piece in the mm-hmm. class and how it's
3: really utilized to help kids And they're they're one of our hardest groups to really get to because they are drawn so many different directions. And I'll tell you, to be real honest, the best parent sessions that I've seen all come around this idea of this fear-based piece of, you know, here's here's the 10 sites that your kids shouldn't go to kind of thing, you know? And then you'll have 150 people show up. But if you just talk about, you know, digital citizenship and how you your kids should act and do things online. You might have 10 people that might show up, and it's not saying that they don't see them as equally important. I think they just don't understand what they don't understand, and that's yeah. the, that's the big piece of it. Is they just you know digital citizenship. You know, well, I didn't I didn't learn anything like that in, in school, so you know it doesn't really matter. You know it's like new math you know what you know what does that mean to me you know kind exactly.
1: of that. well like, I was thinking too yesterday because um, like it must be hard for some students too when they're at home and they have certain expectations from parents about technology and then they come into a school setting and it's literally completely different based on the teacher expectations uh, <laughs> they probably see some sort of like disconnects a little bit of okay what am I actually allowed to do and what am I not allowed to do Um, because I'm guessing in some homes and compared to school, it's going to be a lot different.
3: It's kind of like living two lives. Yeah, you're you're eight to three or eight to four, whatever your time frame is in school. And then, you know, you know, you know, we did some articles on that, you know, way back in the in the early 2000s. And it was like, you know, they're, you know, they're expected to have all this lockdown, you know, that was that lockdown mentality that we had in schools. And we, we still have a fair number that do that, that, you know, don't go anywhere, you know, here's here's the 10 websites that you can go to. and And I knew districts that did that. And they were like, okay, that's all you can do. And then they went home and it was just like, a free-for-all you know they you know they had unfettered you know access to the internet they could go wherever they wanted to and it was like you know then they were just you know gobbling up all of this information and they you know you know the online gaming which you know is still popular but you know i've I've heard that you know kids could be on tiktok for you know you know 10 hours you know that they sit there and just watch and then create and you know and there's some about the creativity and some of that piece, too. But, you know, but if you're just sitting there watching video after video after video, it's like, you know, what's what's the what's the upside? What what do you what's the value? But, you know, I, I even hear adults at, at parties say, oh, well, I, I learned this on TikTok. You know, they, they'll they talk about, you know, oh, I saw this recipe on TikTok. And I'm like, I uh-huh. yeah, like that's- I mean, I guess that's something. I mean, yeah,
1: that's I- that's exactly my dad right now. My dad's 65 <laughs> and I don't even have TikTok. And he's telling me all these things that he watches on TikTok. And I just, I, I just <laughs> I
0: <don't
3: like> <laughs> It's an interesting world we live in. It definitely is.
0: Definitely. We kind of touched uh, on this uh, already. Um, I know your website describes and you've done a ton of work and actually we're talking to Dr. Alec Kuros who based the Saskatchewan where we're from, uh, the Saskatchewan uh, Digital Citizenship uh, Continuum uh, on your on your work. So, can you provide our our listeners with a little more information on the themes for
3: digital citizenship and and why they're important? Certainly. Yeah, that was really the impetus of you know where I started, and and that was my dissertation work was really creating this foundational concept of the of digital citizenship, and you know this actually goes even pre my time. My my major professor at Kansas State, uh, Dr. Gerald Bailey was doing work with some students even in the early 2000s, so late 1990s into early 2000s about digital citizenship. And I went to him when I heard it, when I was doing some grad work with him, and he said, um, somebody needs to create a foundation. Somebody needs to create this, you know, an organizational, because what happens, and what I hear a lot from parents, and that was why, you know i did the book you know raising a digital child was that you know there's so much the breadth of it is so large when you talk about technology that it's really hard to get your arms around it and it's easy for parents and educators and leaders to just say well i don't understand this stuff and they just throw up their hands and then it's over so mm-hmm. really the concept was to start breaking that down into what we created, we called these elemental ideas. So the 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 main elements that were sort of surrounding digital citizenship. So we focused on areas like access and commerce and communication and of course etiquette was a biggie at the time. That's and that's still one of ours. Um, uh, health and welfare, law, rights and responsibilities, privacy, those kinds of things. So really trying to break down some of these and. And I will tell you that this last book that I did with uh, Dr. Park, um, we kind of revisited the the elements, and not really to tear them down, but to really you know look at them and see if they've changed over time. And we, for the most part, found that the the nine elements still have test you know tested over time, and they and they really have. But we did some I would say modifications and some updates to them. So. Um, knowing, like you said, you know, things do change over time, and how we look at things. So one of the elements that we looked at was like uh, uh, digital literacy. Uh, we believe that literacy is important, but we kind of stepped it up a level and said, we want you not just to be literate, but we want you to be fluent in the, in the language and the understanding of how these tools are involved in your life and what that mm-hmm. looks like. And I think too often we just, we go to the, you know, to getting a mobile phone or whatever. We just pick up whatever's the latest and we just go home and we don't think about, you know, what the tool does. Or maybe that's why we did buy the tool that we wanted the latest and greatest and we wanted those things. So, you know, but how how does that work with everything else? You know, how does that, you know, when we changed from early um, mobile phones, which were actually phones um, that some people may not remember, but um, cellular phones actually did one thing at one time—they made <laughs> calls—and that was what they did. And uh, I I remember that very well because I had one of those, and I think it was about this big. I mean, it was it was uh, it was huge. But anyway, you know, becoming more understanding of all of these and where you know where we are with it and then you know really you know about communication you know we wanted to take that to the next level as well and not just say that you understand how to communicate because we do that all the time you know tiktok and instagram and and snapchat and all those those are all different ways to communicate so as email and text and all of these different things But it's also the collaboration piece that we felt that was so important that, you know, technology in a lot of ways takes down a lot of boundaries of how we can interact with one another. And that's good and bad. You know, it's it's good that, you know, we have opportunities to really interact with one another and have that opportunity. But also we have people that want to share you know, some things that maybe aren't as popular and and as uh, helpful, you know, when we are trying to interact. So, collaboration to us is really this more, you know, helpful, you know, uh, how do we build everybody up into, you know, getting to where they, you know, need to go and, you know, some of the others, you know, we, you know, we kind of look back into is, You know security um was one of them and we added the privacy piece because i think we do have the right to to a certain amount of privacy in our lives and you know it's been battered around a lot for you know uh, students you know should there be some ability for them to have some amnesty after a certain age you know do you know if you know kids say things and do things when they're you know younger and you know there's been all kinds of articles about people that these things have come back to haunt them you know they've done things when they were 15 16 17 years old and then they're 28 29 30 and all of a sudden people are going oh well look what you said when you were 15. well i i think back if if people were recording the things that i was doing when i was 15 I probably wouldn't be, you know, I probably wouldn't be sharing this information. People would have completely torn it apart because they would have said, well, you said this and you said this, you know, and, you know, and, you know, and they they should be thinking about what they're posting and what they're doing. But there is a certain amount that, you know, children's minds, and, and this has been borne out of the research that, you know, at a certain level, you know, they just aren't fully developed. Now, some people would say that even, you know, at my age, I'm not fully developed yet, but, you know, maybe one day, you know, I'll reach that, uh, reach that level. But, you know, there, there there's that discussion, but, you know, it, it becomes very difficult with technology because those that information gets plucked out of one and gets posted someplace else. And so, you know, if you say and hardly any kid uses it anymore, but let's say Facebook and let's say, you know, everything pre, you know, age 21 gets expunged, you know, at age 21. Well, you know, there's two parts to that. One is, okay, did you really get everything or did you just get everything that was on Facebook, which that's really all they have control over? And two, do you really want all of that taken down? Because some students and then young adults, that is a basis perhaps for the next job that they get that because they are an influencer or that they use, you know, um, Twitter or uh, those that might be their resume, you know, that might be what, you know, um, gets them the job at Google or gets a job at Microsoft or, you know, whatever it might be or. know a local school board you know it, it you know it 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 you know it really varies now today because it really is your you know what what you put out there is who you are and that's what you know what a resume really is is you know sharing you know your experiences your background and what you are and a lot of them that's where they're going you know to do that so There's just a lot of different aspects, and that's why we really took the elements and and we've we've kept trying to keep them fresh over time as opposed to just saying, okay, you know, we came up with these 20 years ago and, you know, but, you know, I think uh, Dr. Kuros would even say, you know, you, you have to keep revisiting these things and you have to keep, you know, making sure that it fits. You know, the curriculum, if it it's the time, it fits the educators, it fits the students, you know that, you know, all of these things and that's that's another you know tiring part for educators is. You know, how often do I have to do this? Well, you, know, you got to do this almost all the time, so it's you know, it's an ongoing thing. Well, I just really don't have time for that because I've got this and I have got this and you know, and we keep pushing more and more into education. Um, which I understand from a, you know uh, more of a governmental you know perspective, but you know it really starts to constrain the opportunities that we have in the classroom. And it's been a few years since I've actually been in the classroom, but I'm very very lucky. I have a, a wife that's a third grade teacher, and so she tends to keep me very grounded. After thirty years of marriage, um, you know she <laughs> definitely keeps me you know focused. You know that. You know, educators still have these things that they need to get done and they, you know, and that's important. And, you know, it keeps pulling me back saying, okay, you need to, you really need to think about not just, you know, what's important, but what's, um, what the ability is, you know, what's, what people are capable of. You know, there's only X number of hours that we have students in the classroom. And where do we want to focus that? And I'm not saying digital citizenship isn't important. Um, I think it, I think it is very very important. But how do we embed that? How do we integrate that into all of the the different ideas that we have? And you know that's you know what I've been you know trying for you know dec over a decade, decade and a half, is bringing that not so much as a separate you know educational concept, but a more embedded piece of you know this ties into how we're doing english language arts or mathematics or science or you know and as we use these tools we embed those ideas of rights and responsibilities and access and you know and i Mm -hmm. you know access is one of the biggies you know you know this last year with the pandemic you know think of you know the numbers of schools you know that had issues because not only did they the students not have devices, but then they also, you know, ha- didn't have um, the um, resources to the internet to allow them to actually get to those tools. So, you know, that's the that's the biggie is, you know, we go one to one, but we forget about, you know, the 15, 20% of our students that just don't have the access. And and the, the interesting things that we learned was that we had some parents that assumed that they had adequate access, but you have six people at home because everybody's quarantined, and now mom and dad are working online, and all the kids, and everybody's trying to hit, you know, a connection that was really not meant for that you know, amount of traffic to be able to be handled. And people just didn't think about that. And that's, you know, that was that was the big takeaway for me from this last year was, it isn't just the technology, but how do we implement it and how do we share it?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Absolutely.
0: That makes, okay, it, Mike. Uh, makes
3: sense. Yeah.
1: On your website it also mentions uh an s3 framework regarding Mm -hmm. digital citizenship so if if you could please just like explain so what are the main points of this framework and why do you think they're uh important
3: now the the s3 came a little bit later you know we really wanted something because the elements of course are very important and we believe that you know that people need to get to that level but they needed something that was um I don't want to say quick, but really a way of defining sort of these this this progression. And I really see digital citizenship like any other educational um, area. So if you think about English language arts, let's just take that, for example, you know, when we start to talk about, you know uh, sentence construction, you know, You talk about nouns and you talk about verbs and then you know then you build upon it and then your adjectives and you know the pronouns and all of these things. And then we we string them together, you know, to create a sentence. And then we put sentences together to create paragraphs, and then paragraphs into papers. So it's 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 a constant building, but we don't forget about it, you know, when we're in the secondary level. We don't stop talking about nouns and verbs you know that's still an important part so the s3 was really a a process of helping to see what that you know process is so the the base level which i think almost everybody agrees upon when they talk about digital citizenship is safety so we kind of set this as this base level of you know we need to start you know understanding that but we don't ever want to forget about it so there's different levels of safety when we talk about this and and you know that's another you know interesting part with technology is things become vertical so quickly you know it goes from me as an individual to me as a part of the world you know in almost one step so we built this level of safety and then on top of sa- safety was then this idea of being savvy or understanding the technology and the tools and, and all of these different aspects of how we interact with one another. So so it was safety, savvy, and then moving to the what we consider the pinnacle part was this socialization, this social um, understanding of how we interact. So that collaboration idea that we talked about, um, but how we use, you know, not just social media, but how we interact with each other, you know, uh, when mm-hmm. we post things and when we when we comment on things and when you know and so it's it's a constant building and so we took all of this so we took the safe, Saving and social and the elements together and we created a chart and it's on on our website that uh, we call the the framework and it walks you through this this idea of you know this K three you know where do we kind of start you know, start helping them to understand. And some of it doesn't necessarily even have to be on a technology tool. It can be really laying some of the foundational pieces of how do I, you know, how do I care for the technology? You know, you know, when people um, in, you know, have classroom rules, for example, where does technology fit into those classroom rules and what does that look like? So, you know, it's, it's embedding those back into the educational process and what that looks like. And and to be honest, uh, you know, I before I had Safe Savvy and Social, I actually had another one called Reps, which was short for repetition, but it uh, was Respect, Educate and Protect, which if you look at those words, they're just a flip of Safe Savvy and Social because you got Protect, Educate and Respect, which when you flip it, you 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 see the other side of it, so, or the same side of the same coin. So it you know it's it's like looking at so when you talk about you know respect, you're you know that's that social aspect of how do we respect one another, how do we integrate, and you know becoming savvy is that educational process of learning and and education. I you know I take in the most broad sense. You know it's really about learning from each other, learning from, you know, resources and in the classroom as well. So, you know, there's all that. And then the protect is really the safety piece. So, you know, they they kind of all go hand in hand. So if people talk about the reps, you know, I you know it's I I don't get bothered by that because to me it's it's all the same Um, for some people. They like the alliteration of safe, saving, socials so much better. <laughs> it just kind of rolls off a little bit easier. And so, but as a building process, we really found that that was, you know, where we needed to be as you start, you know, if you were to look at it like a pyramid, you know, like mm-hmm. a lot of them, you know, you had safety, you really have to create this, this foundation of safety before you can really get to those other levels because you can't really be social unless you have a certain level of safety that that you that you understand and you can you know build upon and you know and as you walk up so it's um you know they're they're all kind of tied together but it was just you know when Marty Park and I you know when we were doing this book when he kind of brought that you know concept of tying those two together into this framework it was like this is what i've always been working towards is how do we see this in a curricular fashion and you know it had always been sort of the shotgun approach and now we've kind of laid this out of how do we see all of these elements all you know these ideas as they progress as as any other you know you know we do the same thing you know i i i usually tie you know uh, digital citizenship and like um social studies Because, you know, we typically have in the past taught about um, where we fit into a community. And so, you know, it's me as an individual and then me in a classroom and me in a, a school and then me in a city and then in a province and then in a country. And you know, it's this constant building process of where where do I fit? You know, as an individual. When we do that, and what always came out was in technology was me as an individual and then me as part of this whole technology, you know, frame of the Internet. In one step, you know, all of a sudden now I have access to the entire world. You know, it's not just that I have access to my classroom, which I do, you know, but it tends to go outward so quickly that it's, it's hard to to for a student to understand where do I exist? And I think that's, you know, that, that I'm not a psychologist by any, you know, stretch of the imagination, but I believe, you know, from what I've read about, you know, some of the influencers and things, I think their struggle is where do they fit? You know, where do our kids fit into this whole realm? Because, you know, they want to be famous, they want to move, you know? And I, you know, the, to a certain extent, you know, we all want to, we all, we, they all want our 15 minutes, you know? But what happens when we get there, you know? And in this, now this digital frame, we get catapulted to this, this top frame so quickly. And then it's like, okay, where do I go? You know, if I have a, a million, you know, million and a half followers, what uh you know what am I going to? 10 million, 20 million? You know, what's what what's good enough? And I think that's the, where we have trouble understanding our 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 place, our perspective within that.
0: Absolutely. Well, I, I like what you said through 2 and we were talking about that with, with Dr. Cross yesterday as well. This isn't a checklist, right? This is this is just be embedded and seamless and As a teacher, you can still teach your social studies or your English language arts, but just look for those. Be aware of what you know. Say the structures and the continuum is, and just find places to to put it in. Because I really agree with what you said. You know, I always think like if you're a doctor or if you're a mechanic, if you don't know the latest techniques in that, you're gonna, you know, you're kind of doing your patients or the or your customers a disservice. And I think we should be the same if we're not up to speed with some of that. I don't know if we're properly preparing our students for now and in the future, like you're talking about too. So I, I really you say really, and being part of that community really resonates with me. So yes. thank you, thank you for that.
2: Mm-hmm. And something our division actually has done is um, they've created um, kind of a group of lessons and instead of calling it digital citizenship, they called it digital Samaritans. So it gives our teachers an opportunity to work it into their religion curriculum as well mm-hmm. and really revisit it. Um, throughout the school year. So it it helps to integrate it in that regard and always come back to some of the teachings that we teach being in a Catholic school division um, and resonating it back to, you know, what does it mean to be a Samaritan, right? And, or a citizen um, and replicating that behavior online as well.
3: So you have a lot of possibilities, especially within a, a I I started my work in a a Catholic school um, uh, diocese here in Kansas, and you know, there's there's so many opportunities within this to look at, you know, again, where is my place and where, you know, where do I? Where do I fit within this? And you know that. We don't always have the same in, in some public sectors, but you know it's you know it. I I've been very fortunate to go to different places around the world that you know that. It's been a lot of the Catholic schools and their school divisions that have really focused on on some of these because one, I, I think they have a very committed uh, parent group as well that they want to know and they want to be involved in that process.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, Dean Jen, is there anything
0: else you would like to add? Thank you.
2: Thank you so much.
0: <laughs> yeah. That was Great I know our listeners will really enjoy uh, and get a lot out of this podcast. For
1: sure. I
3: I thank you again for the opportunity. And please let me know if there's other questions or anything else I can do to help. Awesome. Well,
1: yeah, thanks again, Mike. Thanks for taking time out of your day, Um, especially since it's summertime. And uh, we really appreciate it. We know our listeners are going to appreciate it. So thank you very much. Thank you all. I appreciate it.
0: You've been listening to RCSD Pod PD. We'd love to hear your feedback and comments on this podcast. On Twitter, use the hashtags RCSD Connect and RCSD Pod PD, Or jump into our RCSD Connect teams and leave a comment there in the community. Thanks for listening and until next time, let's stay connected.